Boom. All right. And we're good. So welcome on, dude. So my friend, Andrew DeCorda, feels weird saying your whole name, dude. Just used to calling you Drew and stuff. Oh, like you that. did it nicely, um, though, bro. You got a little bit of enunciation. Where is that from? Oh, it's Italian. Is it? Okay, okay. Um, so buddy of mine from the gym that we both train at, uh, very interested in a lot of the stuff that Drew does. He's got a big um, kind of go-to background, so a lot of kind of movement-based work. I know you've got some other stuff too going on with FRC, but that's something that I've dabbled in myself a little bit. Um, I went to their the GLS facility in New Orleans back in I don't know, is it 2019? It's been a little while and stuff like that. Did one of like their early certifications when they're still still new and stuff like that. And I definitely like a lot of the stuff they do. Like they're definitely onto something with their movement pattern and things like that. But it's something that I've gotten away from a little bit. Don't use a ton of in my own practice and training. Um, and I know that's like the kind of the backbone of the stuff that you do. So I'm looking forward to this to kind of pick your brain, get a little bit more of like an insights on how your application of it, like how it's all been like with your training and stuff like that. Um, so I guess could start off with just how long have you been doing it? How'd you get into it? Like what were you doing before and like what kind of attracted you to all the, all the go-to guys? Cool. So yeah, you were actually an early adopter. You were yeah, there yeah. a year before I ever even heard of it. And I heard of it early. So yeah. You were really early in there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the stuff was still like kind of not unstructured, but like, it's not what it is now, you know, with like the, the way they've organized their certifications and things like that. So right. I felt it's, that it's still developing, man. It still feels like, a yeah. New, yeah. Right. They're, they're still growing that baby. Like it's still in the early stages. So I think they're going to come a long way. It's kind of exciting to watch. Yeah. It's cool. They're on like a very similar like track. It seems like to like to Ben and ATG. I mean, they just got on, um, uh, Mark Bell, which is massive and stuff like that. And they're definitely blowing up. Like they've got some NFLers and that sort of thing. And when I went, like I could very, I could understand the, like the concept and the principle, like I could see stuff basically. They do a ton of stuff with like, obviously the slow motion video and kind of breaking things down. And so I could get to the point where like, I could see the pattern and stuff like that. He showed me a video like, okay, that's a problem. That's a problem. But like the application is what I didn't get as much of. So it's like, that's screwed, but like, I don't really know. Like I've got an idea of what to do about it. I don't really know what to do about it. So I didn't end up bringing as much of it into my own training. I've been kind of bringing it back in more and more now, trying to come back and sprinkle a little bit in the end of the sessions and stuff like that. Um, but how'd you come across it? I actually, so I used to be a, a banker server for a long time. And I was always carrying heavy trays on one side of my body. And in between sessions, I was working breakfast, lunch, and dinner. In between sessions, I was going to power lift at Gold's Gym, coming back and wondering why it would take me like two minutes in the morning to get my sock on because my hip was in so much pain. Mm. So through Instagram, I found functional range conditioning. And that was like a light bulb moment. Like, okay, there's, there's a little more to this training thing than just showing up at the gym and just doing these few exercises all the time. So then I focused more. It's Functional range conditioning, I believe, is a little bit more similar to ATG in the sense that it's more about like tissue adaptation. Mm. So they're not as focused just on knees, but just any particular joint function, like internal rotation of the shoulder. We access it, we train it real hard isometrically, and we're trying to build that neurological connection and that adaptation to the tissue. And so I was doing that for a while and I was feeling better, but I felt like it's just missing something. It's very isolation specific. Yeah. So every joint angle, every joint particular, you can sit and work, you know, flexion of your fingers. And so it just felt like it's not integrated. I'm not getting it all together. 
So I found a video debunking Goda, and I told him this at the lab weekend. He thought that was funny. But I found the video, and I was like, man, that's actually kind of interesting. So I watched all their videos. Uh, I was interested in it. I wasn't bought in. It looked kind of funny, so I, I wasn't doing it, especially not in public for a while. But then a few months later, I just happened to follow someone that was doing it. And I DM'd him, and, and he got me going. And then once I, I got it, once I got the first assessment, I was all in because when he broke it down for me in slow motion and I just saw the things they're talking about happening, I was like, oh, okay, these guys are onto something now. And you see the global aspect of it where, you know, my elbow may hurt because of what's happening down on my foot. And you can see it work its way up the chain and how the dysfunction at the feet level is causing issues in my knees and my hips and all the way up. So I was bought in immediately. My problem is I did it on my own because I didn't want to pay a coach. So I yeah. did it on my own for about three months completely wrong mimicking the <laughs> mimicking the movements i saw on instagram hard, doing hard. it all the way in the front chain and then i got knee pain i'm like well maybe i should text this guy <laughs> yeah that's definitely one of the challenges that i've run into it with it is it's very like some athletes that don't have that like kinesthetic awareness and stuff like that like really struggle with it like even like stuff may look right and they're just like i feel it like in my knee they're like i'm supposed to be in your butt like all these different mm -hmm. things like be, it can be hard so that's i'm very impressed with how like i mean if you just think about like gls the facility they're running i don't know how many 20 30 athletes in there at a time and like those sessions are cooking so like to to get all those guys in there to be able to do all of that's like very impressive because i have a hard time with two or three um it's they interesting give you no choice in there yeah yeah you, you just gotta learn quick. sink or swim kind of thing you know, like, right. you know it's funny that their first way you came across it was literally somebody like trying to break it down like that's just a whole nother like side thing but kind of ironic that like the just as like that negativity in general just ends up becoming something that actually just feeds it and makes makes it bigger and stuff right, like right. that the old press that's, is good press man it's true yeah if not for that guy i don't know when i would have seen it exactly exactly so that's kind of funny that's kind of interesting um and i like that um like the balance or like the dichotomy between like the frc and like the very like joint by joint isolation, like tissue adaptation. Like for me, that's what a lot of like the ATG stuff is. Um, mm -hmm. And then looking at GOTA as the kind of global like movement system and stuff like that, like integrating everything is the word that you use, which I like a lot. And it makes me think of um, like the Ido Portal thing, like his uh, like isolate, integrate, and then improvise. Um, so right. like being able to break something down to a small piece and then yeah, integrate it in a whole and then be able to do it um, very fluidly. And I guess that's where my, <clears throat> personal interest in a lot of the go to stuff comes from is that with the ATG stuff, I think it's similar to the FRC and like the concept of being of like building the structure and stuff like that. I just think it's a very, very, very effective system for building, as you said, like structure, like tissue quality and stuff like that. Like if there's an actual like physical uh, issue with your knee, like with the tendons or whatever it is that's going on there, like I don't think there's a better system out there for going, like being able to, scalably get somebody into these different exercises and stuff like that and then be able to create the adaptation to hypertrophy the tendon bring in blood flow clear out from like all of that stuff like it's very very effective at what it does and the um kind of mindset or like the philosophy for how they develop strength through like the joint by joint approach from the feet up through these different ranges of motion and stuff like that like it's very um it makes a lot of sense and then being able to, but that's like kind of one side of the coin almost. And then Goda has that, the move, like the global system, the movements um, kind of pattern essentially for lack of a better term. And so just trying to find a way to integrate that 
strength-based structure, like that joint by joint, making sure there are no weak links in the chain. And then also now, okay, you've got no weak links in the chain, then how do we get all these links to actually work together in a more kind of fluid, like harmonious way? And I think that's where the, I mean, for optimal performance and health and stuff like that, the balance between the two of those, like finding the way to, to bring those both in, I think it's really, really kind of interesting where that stuff goes. Um, so how that kind of personal, so it went from you being like kind of personally getting into it and stuff like that. And then at which point did that become something that you were doing with yourself? And then when you started to implement with the people that you're training and stuff like that? Yeah, so I got in, as soon as I bought in, I started talking to this guy, uh, Sensei Johnny Yank. Definitely check him out, man. He's a real interesting guy. But, okay. uh, and he's done a lot of these systems. So he's well-versed in functional patterns and functional range conditioning, kin stretch, mm -hmm. a little bit of ATG. I don't think he's dove into that system. But man, talking to him, it just, it all connected. So I started doing it all on my own at home because I was embarrassed to do it in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the gym right. and there's all these, you know, these big, strong guys and I'm over there like doing a thousand drop-ins and then doing 500 pound deadlifts. So in the beginning, like there was an ego and a confidence thing that kind of helped me back. I would do it at home. And then eventually the more I believed in it, the more I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And not only, I started feeling good myself, like my SI joint pain went away. I feel good. I hop out of bed. I feel flexible. So then the more, the better I felt, the more I felt like I had to bring this to my clients. Mm, and I was yeah. just kind of embarrassed for them in the middle too, because I have people on the ground rocking and I'm worried about what they're going to think of it. But as I got people in there and they feel that low back cooking and their glutes and their hamstrings turn on, everybody loved it. So I never had an issue of somebody not wanting to do it. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause it is definitely like, it's a challenging one. Like you said, to walk in the middle of like a crowded LA fitness and you're going to start doing these job so rocks. Like or yeah. Like, like, and they start like doing the crawls. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 That's like, I mean, that's a big piece of it and stuff like that. So that can definitely be a challenge. I do think that, like you said, like with the feeling of it and stuff like that, like when you feel it, it's like, okay, yeah, there's definitely like, yeah. there's something to this. I mean, just the videos that they posted recently of taking Mark Bell through it and stuff like that. And dude's an absolute tank, but you can still like get him cooking with just this little stuff on the wall. Um, but that is, I guess, a, one of the challenges that I've had with the, like with the go to stuff in general is that they're so movement focused, like to the, to some degree, to the detriment of, let's say like strength and power and stuff like that. And I know they definitely still do strength work and like, they still get guys strong, like to their credit, they got plenty of these kind of beastly college football boys and stuff like that. Like these guys aren't like slouches and stuff like that. Um, but I also wouldn't put their strength work in the same category of like, a Louis Simmons or something like that. And the thought, like just the, the way that somebody at that level can manipulate strength and stuff like that to increase force production and power output and stuff like that. I mean, obviously Louis is a powerlifting guy, but he's also worked with great success with uh, track and field guys, like just making these guys more powerful and stuff like that. Um, and so I guess they go so deep into the, the movement lens that's, I guess a kind of a common criticism that I would hear gets thrown their way is like, what about the force production side of things for lack of a better term? Like you have two kids and they're both godas. They're both, they both move very well. Like which one performs better? Or like you have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old, like that 10-year-old is always going to outperform the six-year-old just because it's bigger and stronger, even if he doesn't necessarily move better. And so that's like, that's, 
it's obviously some kind of continuum between strength and movement, right? And even maybe like, depending on the activity that you're doing, it's going to change what you're in. Like a power lifter is not going to need the same level of grace or skill or movement quality that a dancer will or something like that. And even with field sports, so you could draw a line between soccer and then basketball and then football. Like you're going to be at different points along this continuum. Um, but there is like, there is that element. There's an element of both. And you could say a lot of like the common S and C, like a lot of the common weight room stuff, they've just thrown out all of the movement stuff all together. And they're like, screw it. We'll just focus on strength and on force. And obviously there's, we can see with injury rates and different things like that, the potential drawbacks of that sort of approach or like system. Um, but how do you think, like, obviously you being more, close to the system than myself like how do they talk about that how is that something like is that is that something that they address like how do you address it personally like that kind of thing so for me first it, it depends on your intention uh if you're a power lifter you're not going to be able to just do a go-to workout show up at your meet and perform because there are certain requirements of powerlifting that you're only going to get through your sport and i would say the same thing is going to apply if you're a basketball player or a soccer player so we value the strength of position over the strength of the muscle tissue because mm -hmm. you could be bigger, stronger, even faster. But if you're inside ankle bone low, you're not as strong in the position of landing as you would be if you were saying go to 10. Now, that mm -hmm. guy may not have as much strength, but if he's Ed Reed, back chain dominant, coming to hit you, you're a lot bigger and stronger. But if he's in a better position, his force is going to outperform your force. So he could be a smaller athlete. He's going to play bigger than he is. And you can have a really large athlete, real inside ankle bone low, collapsing into knee valgus, and they're not getting as much out of their body as they're capable of. Uh, I believe you're going to get the strength that you need from playing your sport. So if you're a wide receiver, sprinting, right, that's going to be sprinting, cutting, put, pushing the heavy sled, pushing a lot of the landmine stuff that we do. I think you're going to build up all the strength that's required of you, and you're going to do it in a safer manner. Uh, I don't think that jumping into the weight room and doing power cleans to create greater force production is going to help you on the field when you start sacrificing your pattern for that uh, just very specific strength on the, the measurement of the, the force plates. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely always that distinction between like transfer of training and stuff like that and the carryover. Like, I mean, you rarely see that the freakiest strongest guy in the weight room is also the freakiest strongest guy on the field like you do rarely see that like the, the i think uh, derrick henry is a good example because they somebody just made a video showing how that how you know the ankle collapsing is not the worst thing because derrick henry does it and he's a very strong athlete from what i hear in the weight room he's a phenomenal running back but he's got a plate in his foot five screws mm -hmm. so you know what is it that you're trying to achieve would he be as good as he is if he was Goda and a little bit less strong in the weight room? I don't know. I would say that he probably would be, and maybe we save that ankle and that foot. I want to come back to that, because actually I saw that video too. Um, the guy being like, yeah, it's fine and stuff like that. And I do, the, the foot ankle, especially when you start getting into like track and field, I know that they have some differences between like when the heel's off the ground and where it's not. So I want to get into that. But I do want to come back to or just like kind of finish out the thought with this. I do like that I uh, used the word optimize, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like there are some, again, when it comes to like the weight room and stuff like that, like there will be guys that are big and strong, but it's just like they can't necessarily use it or something like that. I mean, you and me getting into like boxing and martial arts and stuff like that. Like you can think of like the Bruce Lee type who's 
not necessarily not big, not like quote unquote strong, but it's powerful and stuff like that. And I, so I definitely think there's something to that. There's like a, a skill to using force almost. And like the ability Absolutely. to you know, like transfer that, like there would be guys that aren't that strong, but like you grab them in jujitsu and all like, they feel like boulders, like they're not freaking going anywhere. Versus uh. Sometimes these big, especially you talk, you hear it in like the NBA, with these big guys, like the giant guys that are sometimes all these big softies and stuff like that. That's like a little bit more psychological. Um, and so I think that's true. And I think that's the approach that the go to guys have taken is let's, optimize as much as we can um or just get you to use like the strength and force that's kind of naturally a part of you and stuff like that and i think there's something to that approach of like let the sport take care of it for itself but i also feel like there may be guys that fall through the cracks with that approach like i think i when i think about the go to stuff i think it works best for the best athletes because you just let you just bring the most out of them, the guys that are already like the freaks and stuff like that. And you're not like you're almost staying out of their way. Like you're not hurting them. You're just like you're like fine tuning like a Ferrari and stuff like that. But there are other athletes like there are guys like me. I wasn't necessarily like a great athlete growing up, but there are other guys who are just born a Prius. And you can find you, you know what I mean? Like you can tune up the system as much as you want. You can really just optimize the shit out of everything, get everything really clean, but there's still a really high performing Prius. And I think like, that's where I, that's for me where I think the ATG stuff has been really powerful or like just seeing that because I've seen it. And I think if it's done well, like that strength side of things can be needed sometimes to transform that athlete who's, you know, 1,860 pounds, like really scrawny, like just like, especially in a sport like football where it's as violent and there's collisions and you have to dominate another 200 pound guy. Like there's much more of a strength and force component. And some guys are going to get that like doing, like some guys are going to naturally have that and some guys aren't. So I'm just like, I guess that's a concern for me with that approach is like, I, it works until it doesn't, you know what I mean? And like, it's not like an easy way to say it. Like there's, I don't even know if you can definitively measure and be like, yep, this guy, you know, like it'll work for this until like this stage, but it just feels like there's a piece of that, that there will always be, whether it's only certain guys that ever need more of like the weight room side of stuff, or there are um, certain aspects of the weight room side of things that need to stay, like not throwing out the baby with the bathwater kind of thing. Um, but just to me, like, it feels like, it feels like we have to have both somehow. And maybe some guys will need more of one, less of the other and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. that and on the individual that can depend on the sport. Um, but I feel like there, there has to be that strength force component as well. Like it, at the end of the day, like it is almost a physics equation, right? Like we're trying to move our body through space and the greater, let's say just relative strength you have, however you want to measure that. Um, but the easier it is for you to propel, like put force into the ground, propel that body forward. And of course we want to be efficient with the way that we're doing that, but whoever is going to be able to put more force in the ground is also going to win at a certain standpoint. Like that force side of things is also true. Um, and I guess it's not even a question, I guess, just like an observation, like a comment, well, you know what I mean? Uh, like it's hard to, to find that. Like you mentioned, you get stronger, you got more confident. You felt like, you know, you're advancing beyond the Prius. Right, you're up to a Camry now. Yeah. Um, is any of that psychological? Like, you feel like, okay, I'm bigger, stronger. I'm an athlete now because I look and I feel like an athlete. Would you attribute anything to that? 
that's definitely a piece of it for sure. Um, but I also know, so just with my, I guess, transformation, quote unquote, I started lifting pretty early and I definitely got more of that. So like the maximum and like strength and conditioning and stuff like that is always bigger, stronger, faster. Um, mm. In my experience, what I experienced personally, and I know what a lot of guys tend to experience is that we get bigger, stronger, slower. Um, and so that was more of like my, my freshman year at Florida tech, this was mostly due to the dining hall than anything else, but I put on like 16 pounds of muscle in like six months. Um, and like, it was good muscle and stuff like that. Like it was, uh, it's not like I was fat. Um, but I, and I was one of the best performing guys in the weight room, but I wasn't the most athletic or anything like that. I remember running a five, two on the lasers and stuff, which is nothing to exactly write home about and that sort of thing. But then, um, getting hurt, finding ATG and stuff like that, getting into all the ATG stuff, like it's still quote on like strength work just through a very, like a different approach and stuff like that. And was able to get much more of those athletic gains. Like it's not the best I think I've run now is like a four, six, six, like on lasers, which is a pretty big transformation from having gone from already weight trained and stuff like that to then now doing more of like the ATG stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I get your, like, to your point, the, size increase and strength increase and stuff like that definitely didn't help me particularly much on the field until I started doing it better, essentially. Like I was still strength training, still weight training, but getting into all this stuff. Now we got to, um, kind of upgrade from the Camry to, I don't know, an F-150 or something like that. We're slow, (laughs) but up the curve, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think a Ferrari would be a go to 10, man. Ferrari is no F-150. It's not going to tow as much, but if I'm, if I'm playing wide receiver or if I'm in a skilled position, I want to be able to fly. And mm-hmm. I just think if I can maintain – I don't want to leak energy by getting stronger muscles. So if, if any strength in my quads or if that's going to make me leave my quads more instead of my hamstring will create imbalances or lead me to get a little pull or a tear that's going to keep me out or if my feet start externally rotating a little bit more and I just lose a little bit of fluidity, I think that gain in strength is going to be counteracted by that loss in fluidity. So for me yeah. personally, for, especially from a skilled position and a sport like soccer, like a, a Lionel Messi is go-to, man. I would, he's not, not a big dude, not super strong, but man, he's always out there. And from what I heard, uh, he's, he never misses games. Yeah, 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 for or sure. Or just not at a, a high rate. Yeah, and I guess my goal as I get into this more and more would be to find out, like, what's the line of how much can we do like how much of the strength work can we bring in? Like how much can we optimize that? And then can I sprinkle in some of this like go to stuff like to not to still let them be athletic. Um, but just my one thought with like that go to 10 thing is I guess you guys having been around it more and stuff like that, I just can't help but think that there's going to be some kid who's 16, 17, 18 years old. And he's a go to 10. Like he's like, he moves really, really well but he just sucks. You know what I mean? Like he's still just like, he know, like he'll play all day long. He'll never get hurt. He's very safe. He's very secure. He's very smooth, but he's just, he's just not you a good You gotta athlete. find me that kid, man. If he's a go-to you know, head, he's gonna be nasty. Well, man, that's what I'm wondering. I, that's what, like, I just can't help but think that, but also this is just me like hypothetically, like spitball. I don't know if like, if you actually get to that level of movement and stuff like that, does that all come naturally? Um, so our idea also is, so say you're a go to 10 and listen, not everyone is going to be that. Not everyone has to be that. So for instance, like, uh, with Q in the gym, he's a power lifter, right? So I'm not going to tell him to stop lifting weights. He, that's yeah. his game. He's going to do his power lifting. He started just applying some, you know, outside edge, inside ankle bone high. And he's like, bro, my, my lifts are getting stronger. 
So if we can just decompress him a little bit, maybe he'll be a go to three or four, but it's better than, than nothing. And you can still power lift and you can do it a little bit more safely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah and he can still play his sport, but I completely forget uh, the first point I was going to make. What were you saying? Well, no, I mean, it is a good point to that too, that like at the end of the day, like, the gym and the weight room and stuff like that is for the majority of people is a means to an end rather than the end itself. Um, and so it's very easy for us in the S and C world to overinflate the importance of what we do and stuff like that. And the gym is everything. Rah, rah, rah. But like, let's say I, I may, I give you a 50% increase in the gym. Like I've done spectacular, but like Mm -hmm. that 50% increase in the gym may yield a 3% increase, like on the field and stuff like that. Like, so there's to that point, like that definitely uh, makes sense. And like you said, just sprinkle on that. And I know Mark Bell said a similar thing on the podcast of like doing, changing the way he was squatting and stuff like that. And was able to, to lift more, like to be more powerful, um, to come back to that Derek Henry thing with the, with the foot and with the ankle. So I guess that's the, the biggest place for me where I didn't completely get my head wrapped around the, like the concepts or the principles and stuff like that, that they talked about. Um, So there's a few, I guess, a few different questions that I kind of had around here. Um, One, so I know when I was first getting into this stuff, um, I don't know if this happens to a lot of people when they first get introduced to the GOTA stuff or it's just something that they didn't kind of emphasize quite as clearly, like kind of back in like the earlier days. But a bunch of what like I was doing and some of the the other guys were doing, um, when we were trying to do all this rotation and stuff like that, we were just fucking spinning our feet all the time, like rather than actually rotating. And I know it's much more about like the feet is supposed, the foot is supposed to be much more of like an indicator of rotation rather than like a driver of it. So all the shit that we're doing, we're just spinning our feet on the turf and stuff like that without actually getting, it's much more about the external internal rotation of the femur, getting like the uh, adductors and the groin, getting all that stuff to whip you kind of around and that will reflect itself or kind of manifest itself in the foot. Um, But then it also just got me wondering with that so like with the rotation that you have going on there so we have the like the bow set you want to corner that you want to bring it to the other side and that kind of ball the foot fourth and fifth toe is the what is it the anchor point like the spot that all of that's going to rotate around um but i get for me like thinking like when I was thinking about that as like this, like this spot that everything's going to rotate around, like that turned into, for me, that turned into spinning more rather than like a true rotation. Like it almost felt like we're rotating everything in like the chest, the shoulders, the torso, the femur, like the shin, all of that's going to rotate one way, but then the foot was spinning. Like, because I don't know if it's just my understanding of it or like the language, but always talking about never like keeping that inside ankle bone high never letting it drop and stuff like that it felt like we were always fighting like pronation to start to get into the like mm-hmm. terms stuff like that that they don't like mm-hmm. um but just thinking about that when i hear other guys like david gray and stuff like that like talk about the foot um and i know obviously they don't use go to these guys are obviously they're also pretty smart guys when it comes to biomechanics and stuff like that like you need to have let's say pronation in order to almost like complete that whole rotation of like the leg and stuff like that. Right. And then to be able to come back around. So I don't know, it always felt like we were being, we were trying to like rotate everywhere except like fighting it at the foot. Um, and I know uh, you guys were talking about trying to keep like the half dome, like the arch of that, you just don't want that to collapse. And like, that makes sense. Um, 
And maybe it was just, again, like my like application. People overemphasize it a little bit. So when people get kind of newer into the Dakota and I did the same thing, I started running on the outside edge. Yeah. Now I'm running off maybe the last two toes. That's not Goda because now yeah. my inside ankle bone is high, but I'm cheating it high because my, my uh, big toe is coming off the ground. Mm. So we're trying to land more on the pad of the foot. So basically everything besides the big toe. And you're landing nice and square. Big toe is not that it's not used. We just think of it more as like the skill side of the foot, not the power side. So everything can land. And then as I release the bow, it's just going to fly out. Yes, you're not thinking about rotation at all. There is no... We don't even really call it rotation anymore. They just call it the corner, which you basically mm -hmm. just run. The foot stays straight. And, you know, we watch it in the video. The, these guys, look at Tom Brady, who just retired, never really injured, especially not non-contact. You won't see his foot collapse or pronate, whatever you want to call it. His inside ankle bone, it climbs higher as he starts running. Mm -hmm. So he lands on a good part of the foot. And then it's just the release of energy. And as you release of energy, whip everything around, the heel is just going to go away. But a lot of people try to, like you said, start turning the heel away. And that's, yeah. that's just not it. That's yeah. you're trying to fake it. And it's sometimes it's a way to get started. But by the time you get going, like you're not going to be thinking heels away. You're just going to be taking a step. And that energy is just going to transfer that way. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like they'll like emphasize it, like spinner walks and stuff like that, just to like get the like get the pattern there. But yeah, definitely. Um knew it wasn't the right thing but it was like you just were doing it anyways like a habit like once you start getting into this you start like thinking like analyzing yeah. for a walk and well, I, my feet for like six months because i went as hard as i could in vivos in the street mm. running on the outside edge of my of my toe yeah 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 so then with a so if you think about the you know like the shape of like the impression of like a foot like if you go in the sand like how like the arch of the foot's kind of off the ground right. so you just get that curve and then like that like florida looking shape almost mm -hmm. um so would it like i guess one thing that's i've started feeling a little bit more is that would land more on like would land on that kind of outside edge of the foot like that fourth and fifth toe but like it almost would roll through the ball of the foot towards that big toe like without necessarily mm -hmm. like the arch of the foot coming down but it felt like it feels a lot smoother to like here and boom it kind of like rolls from out to in and then it feels like it kind of completes that rotation a little bit more mm -hmm. naturally like i don't know just the when whenever i hear you guys talk about it it's always about the ankle and like the ankle bone and stuff like that and i'm just trying to figure out like what's going on at the foot like the contact point and like the actual movement and stuff like that you know what i mean like I think you had it right. I think that spot that you see in the sand, with the exception of the heel, because we're not walking, when we're running, yeah. the heel shouldn't touch. But that yeah. whole pad should touch. Basically, everything with that big toe, basically, and the big toe is going to touch. You're just not, you're not driving that force through it that would cause you to open up the hip and externally rotate. So mm -hmm. you can, your big toe is certainly going to touch. And that's a mistake a lot of people are making because they're pulling that big toe off. Yeah. yeah fake yeah. that inside ankle bone high. And now you're not going. So now you start causing injuries. You're not getting it but you're not, you're not in the, in the pattern correctly. So everything should be able to touch down. And if, even if you're walking in the sand, that arch should be able to touch the ground. You're just not yeah. putting force into it. It can come meet the ground. If you're walking barefoot on a soft surface, you'll feel the ground in your arch. It's just not collapsing inward into that. That pressure, like you said, goes from out. It's going to flow in and then it's going to kick right out. Mm. And it's definitely, you can tell, uh, you can tell the difference just when you do it yourself between just like, rolling your ankle almost like to the outside yeah. versus when you actually like 
build an arch where like the toes are still on the ground, but like that, it, it feels very different. In the because flight. there's no torque. If your big toe is off the ground and you're, you know, you're only mm-hmm. got pressure on the outside two toes, you have no torque built up. It was all the energy is leaking out the other side. It's almost like having your toe turned out. So we're mm-hmm. losing all that energy. You can't hold it strong. So then to be like, to come back to the Derrick Henry thing and stuff like that, and I've seen it, I've, I know they've talked about it some like with uh, sprinters and stuff like that too, where there you'll definitely see in sprinting that toes out. some of the toes out, but more of you'll see the finish through that big toe. Um, and I've heard them talk about it some, I, to be honest, I don't remember exactly their like explanation or their description of it. Like I re- feel like I remember them talking about it in like a different context, like sprinting is kind of its own thing and they'll use more of that pronation or big toe or like inside arch to, for the one guy that they all hate, um, a Darian bar and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> um, but do, the idea with sprinting is you don't have to decelerate or change direction. So you can get away being a little bit outside the mat more so than you could if you're a running back and you need to constantly cut. So is that more of just what it is? It's just kind of like, getting away with or like trying to squeeze out that little bit extra like juice, like through that big toe. It's more. Yeah. Well, also they're all doing the same training. So it's not, I mean, that's what they're taught basically to drive through the big toe. So they're doing what they're teaching. doesn't mean that is the absolute correct way to do it. It just means they're performing what they're learning basically in training. So you would think it's more of a like quote unquote movement fault and it's just something that they can get away with because there's obviously less there's no change in direction breaking and stuff like that they're in a much safer like more contained environment mm-hmm. than nfl guys with people trying to hit you and break your leg and stuff like that yeah man, nfl i'm going to be a little more concerned if uh, if i'm inside ankle going low and, and crashing that inside ankle down yeah i'm going to be more concerned but even i mean in sprinting you saw if you look at usain bolt young his inside ankle bone was high you look mm. at when he got injured after years and years of training, it started to sink a little bit low and his toes started to, to spread open wider as the mm. years went on. And I guess it is something that you really only tend to see in like that initial drive phase, like right out of the blocks and stuff like that. Like it's not when you get into top speed and stuff like that, they look very different when everyone's upright, but it's more of that, um, like that toe drag, that initial toe off and stuff like that. Like that's mm. what they really call it toe off. Um, so I know that's something that I've just, I've heard them talk differently about, but it was also just kind of curious. Like, so what is, I guess, even when I was in the certification and stuff like that and asking them about it, like, what is the role of like the big toe then? Like I've heard some people talk about it as like a, like a rudder or like a brake or like a balance mechanism. Like there's nothing propulsive through it or anything like that. So they treat the big toe as like the skill side of the foot. So the power's coming from the outside, but now if I want to change direction, you can get a little big toe roll in there and that's going to help you shift the direction that you're trying to go. If I'm sprinting straight, the big toe is just kind of long for the ride, just as the heel is. Mm, and if I'm okay. standing up, right, it's just stability and balance. So it definitely certainly has a role. We're just not treating it as a power generator. Okay, okay. Um, right, if you're playing soccer, you're, you're playing the ball off your big toe. You're using it like you have a connection there to that toe and you're, you're going to make your passes, everything right from there. I assume maybe a little more off the inside of the foot, but right. That's the skill side of the foot. So as you change direction, you might use that a little bit. You're just not loading up that force from there. Mm. I have heard. So um, like David Weck and stuff like that, talking about the foot, like he'll talk about like strong side, long side, like, and so that, the, yeah. that 
fourth and fifth is more of just like that's the one that takes like the impact and like the force mm-hmm. and stuff like that but then i mean if we think about levers and stuff like that like you can get more lever like a longer lever you can put more force through so like landing in there but then just finishing because you can get more propulsive off of that longer up to like the bones mm-hmm. and stuff like that in that side of the foot um so yeah it's interesting i don't know shit's complicated <laughs> because when you go off the big toe you almost change that direction so the energy stops coming here and if i was to push off the big toe it's going to reverse right so if you think i mean maybe not quite if you're, if you're pushing real heavy like the way they train the sprinters and that's why the toes are going to flow out and then you'll see that he'll flip in on a heavy toe off mm. but if that toe was just kind of gently kind of going for the ride along with the rest of the foot that heel gets to go away and everything just flows right through and that's i think more of how i'm thinking about it now when i was kind of describing that like rolling through is that that is yeah. how it feels like more it's like you kind of finish through it but it's not like yeah, it's like a little extra like, flick at the end yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah your wrist in the punch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like okay okay um David Weck also has head over foot. So he's got a couple cool things, right? He's got the strong side of the foot. He's big and head over foot. We call it being head in the column, but he's inside ankle bone low. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that is, it's funny, like there's in like the movement game and stuff like that, you'll see where guys will, it seems like with like the torso and with the spine, like people are, everyone's starting to figure out like the spinal engine, Rakovetsky thing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, then it's at the foot where everyone everyone goes crazy and everyone. That's like where they go nuts. Like, no, this yeah. whole, throw the whole yeah. system out. You yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, the foot's an interesting one. Yeah. People like obsess over that. But that does that does make sense. And it's almost like I know Goda like intentionally tries to keep things very simplistic um, to make it easy to understand, easy to teach, and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, hey, like Ben and ATG does like does like the same things. Just as for me and for you and stuff like that, the guys on like the inside, it's like we want to be able to know like the intricacy and the nuance to still like yeah. just have that higher level of understanding, even if it's like never something that we're going to talk to um, our clients with the phones. Right, keep it simple with your clients. And then like deep that. Down, um, we know that. Yeah, but just to understand like the physics of it and stuff like that. So that's why I always try and I'm always. I guess was I'm always trying to dig more out of them than they're willing to give. Like, yeah. um, obviously, like everything on social media and stuff like that that they do, like they're just not where they're going to go because it's going to be it's more more trouble than it's worth almost. Um, okay, cool. Then, so you talked about in the very beginning with your um, kind of background before you got into go to getting into FRC and different things like that. Um, so I don't want. If, I don't want to get you in like trouble and like the, uh, the group and stuff like that, but just basically curious now what you do that's different than stuff that they do. Like if there are any big things that they use that you don't use a ton of, or if there's stuff that they don't do a ton of that you've brought in from outside stuff, like the FRC and things like that. Um, like what kind of stuff? I mean, the, the deeper I get into go to, and, and I'm not saying there can't be some more information that comes out and, you know, I'll, I'll readjust the way I think the deeper I get in, the more, I do it because uh, mm-hmm. even like issues before that I would have used FRC to treat, I just see it that as a way of like, it can open up some space, but if I don't train you how to use that space, it doesn't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. So there are times that maybe someone's got a tight hip flexor, but if I get them down in a sazalome enough, it's going to open up anyway. So I might mix in some FRC sometimes if someone's just really tight and they just can't access anything. Like we can just open up a little bit and then get them down there. But Generally, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much doing all go to as much as my clients will allow. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Because everyone wants to lift shit and stuff like that. So everybody yeah. wants to lift. So you know, I feel like as long as they're working with me, at least I can give them a good, healthy dose of Goda. And then if they're still, I still got to make my money. So if they want to lift, eventually I'm going to have all Goda clients. But for right now, if somebody wants to lift, I'm not going to tell them no, you can't do it. I'm yeah, going to explain yeah. what I know, and if, if you know, they can make their own decisions, and then I'll help them do it in a way that I think is you know safer for them. Yeah, you got to give the people what they want and just spoon feed them their medicine and stuff like that when they're not looking. Like, I got you. I know how when I started FRC, I, I thought I'm like, I'm the mobility guy. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. And I would do a couple of sessions and people at the end would be like, man, I, I don't want to do the stretching today. <laughs> and I'm like, the stretching? This is end range strength. This is work. You don't <laughs> how dare like, you? <laughs> maybe it's just not for everybody, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely takes a certain time. I know most people are definitely don't have that interest in, in that sort of thing um because people see a video on instagram of someone looking good and they just want to jump and get that yeah i understand man they have every right to want to look good if that's really what they want and it's i think it's possible like it doesn't have to be an either or too it's not like you can like feel 100 and that's that's yeah. what i'm doing now yeah exactly exactly so I'm then giving you what you want but i'm also making you do what you need and people tend to to feel good about it yeah, yeah, you have to give them like is just enough in order to keep them coming back, and then as they start to see the results, they trust you more and more, and then you can they'll actually trust stuff that you're trying to do for sure. Um, so then, getting into specific stuff like when you're talking about that hip flexor, if you just get them and say that it'll kind of fix itself and stuff like that, when people show up with specific issues, like is it just again like with Goda being a much more global kind of like movement perspective and stuff like that. Like not that there's very little stuff that they're doing that's super like isolated or local or anything like that. Is it the same idea of they're just going to like start doing this stuff and your problem's going to go away kind of deal? That's basically what we believe. Yeah. So if you got a nagging elbow injury, right, but you're inside ankle bone low, we think, you know, we get you in the back chain. We let everything kind of work itself out. We're going to help heal that elbow. Especially if you're a throwing athlete, because you, if you're throwing in the front chain, you're stressing joints. You may not be bow cornering your shoulder or your arm as well as you need to. Yeah. So we think, yeah, if we can get you to move right, all those ailments, the itises, you know, whether you got plantar fasciitis or shin splints or your knee hurts or SI pain, all of it, you know, a couple of months seems to just go away. Now, if someone yeah. really comes in and some discomfort, maybe I'll do some pails and rails for them for their elbow give them something specifically for their elbow because they want that, right? And then now that they feel like, okay, we accomplished that, I gave you some tension in there, we give the brain a little job to do, get some work. Now let's just go back and let's get into some more rockers and just keep you moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know like with with me, I have a lot of guys coming to me that are coming off of um, ACL meniscus surgeries and stuff like that. So these guys like coming off of like actual operations, getting cut open and stuff like that, like we definitely need to get um, yeah, so it's something that yeah. acute, maybe, yeah, you want to give it that extra tension yeah, and a little more structure and, yeah. blood and, and cause that healing response for sure. For sure. So then if like, is your prescription of stuff like this, is the actual like session that you're going to run with people going to look fairly similar? Like, so let's say, I guess the most common one that we're all going to see is that people are going to come in with their ankles and their feet being shit, like feet turned out and the ankles collapsed and yeah. stuff like that. So if you see that and you know that's their biggest problem that they're dealing with, maybe they've got some kind of foot, ankle, shin, lower leg pain or something like that. Like what's your prescription that you're going to? Like where, like what's the, 
what are you doing to get them out of that like as quick as possible? Man, we're doing groundwork. We're getting on the wall and we're just going through the movement. So there's definitely, I'll bias. If somebody has really bad ankles or they have good ankles, they're just in the front chain, we can bias specific things. But pretty much when it comes down to it, even when we're kind of isolating motion, all the exercise require you to be inside ankle bone high, back chain dominant, right? So we're setting the bows and corners. So as we develop the ankle, the bow starts to form, you start getting more back chain dominant. And in reverse, as you start getting more back chain dominant, you start to corner better. So it all kind of comes together. So we can pick and choose like, okay, this is a back chain dominant exercise. This is the inside ankle bone high exercise. They're all leading to the same endpoint, and they should all realistically be helping everything else at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Like I do know, like I got stuck in that mindset a little bit when I went to the certifications and stuff like that. And like we were doing the videos and looking at like, so looking at my stuff in particular, like um, ankles were actually decent. So like the, so they, were, I, they called me like Boda, uh, where like I had like, I was okay. I wasn't broken, um, but like didn't have as much of the bow and definitely not the corner. I've noticed that's the part that especially um, like more like weight room guys and stuff like that. That's the, that seems like the part that we really lack the most. Um, so like me being like, okay, I got to do all this shit, like specifically for the corner, 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 like right. without like ignoring all of that stuff. But it does kind of make sense. Like as you, improve one thing like everything else becomes a little bit more natural a little bit more fluid mm -hmm. like kind of rising tide that lifts all ships kind of deal um okay cool so then within that like one of my one of the, i guess the biggest reasons that i didn't use too much goda is because i felt like i didn't have a very big toolbox like i could see and understand like the concept but like i didn't have I didn't feel comfortable with the application like either for myself or for like my clients and stuff like that. I was like, fuck, if somebody came to me and I had to do 60 minutes of this shit, we'd do like four exercises like, you know, in like for 25 minutes. Um, so just didn't feel comfortable doing that with myself or with these people for just not wanting to lose my mind. Um, so like with, let's say if we're just coming back to that ankle example and stuff like that, like what are some, I know you just in a very basic sense, groundwork, stuff on the wall and stuff like that. But if we're getting more specific, like are there exercises, movements and stuff like that? Like what are some of your go-tos, like whether it's for that ankle or just in general? I know obviously the squats on the landmine and the drop-ins and stuff like that are the staple, but what are some of your, what are some of your staples? So, yeah, so the says that getting down, because we get that inside ankle bone high, we allow the ankle to open up. So getting on the ground is still the most important. If you can only do one thing, even if you're not going to work out and just sit and watch TV and say so, you're, start, you're going to start developing the go-to pattern a little bit at a time. But specifically for the ankles, the, uh, the bowl calf raises where you're down on the ground, mm, yeah, right, I like that. butt back, you can go knees out and knees together. You're going to hit a little bit differently, but you just calf raise right in there and it tears up that lateral calf. So that oh, okay. can really help strengthen you. And then that will make it easier when you do your drop-ins now to keep inside ankle bone high. Because it is, it is difficult to maintain like inside ankle bone high during some of the, the bigger exercises. So if you're doing drop-ins, you're doing lunges, you're pushing the sled. If you haven't built up some of that, uh, that strength in there, it's, it's going to be tough to do the exercise correctly. So for someone like that that's going really low, I would do get a lot of the groundwork, a lot of static wall work where I can really, if it starts to sink, I could pull it up. Give them that mm -hmm. like neurological connection to that inside ankle bone high. And then the calf raises all the all day a lot of them yeah yeah that makes sense i like the i like the bull cap raises i do those a lot i hadn't done those with like the knees forward though i've always done it with the knees out so that's uh 
That's a good one. The Meeks together are good. And then have you seen the Bolt Rocker? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like where you're, you're blocking. You stay in the position and then you just let the knees touch the ground and kick back up. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I haven't done it like that. Uh, I've seen it where it's like, it was like basically combine the rocker and the calf raise, like in a two where you yes. rock back and get your toes. And then it just seemed like it was just a lot of changing, like going just straight from the feet to the toes to, to the knees down. That's interesting. I'll definitely play with both of those. Um, and then, so then I guess the last one of this that I'll kind of ask you about just for specifics and stuff like that. Again, I don't want to give you and get you in trouble, giving away all the trade secrets and stuff like that. Um, but with the drop-ins and stuff like that, how, what are some of the like big cues or stuff like that that you use? Like, how do you get people to feel it or to understand it for the first time? Are you just going for a position? Are you going for the sensation? Like, what are some of the kind of big things you're hitting when you're trying to get somebody into that for the first time? Yeah, definitely sensation because you have to, like we mentioned before, the kinesthetic awareness. If you don't feel it, you're not, it's just, you need to understand what we're trying to feel. So yeah. basically I'll have people start as simple as possible, not in a big deep drop in, just one foot in front of the other. We get that split stance, you just get them to rotate over, kick the butt back. And what we're trying to do is lengthen that hamstring and find that like glute meat or all of that side glute stuff. When yeah. they feel that, the hamstring and the glute meat, then they'll have them lift the heel up. I don't have them lift the heel until they're there already. Because you okay. can feel it even with the heel down. So then when they lift the heel, now we'll just stay there. So before I'll even do the drop-in, I'll do like the split stance air chair, which looks like a drop-in. It's just, uh, it's isometric. It's isometric. We're just holding it. And you can just sit there and cook a little bit. Everything starts shaking pretty quickly. And uh, you start to learn that position. Then I just have you start leaning into it a little bit. And now Excellent. you've been in there long enough because in the beginning, everybody likes to go backwards. So they'll do a drop in and they open it up. And yeah. yeah. At loading up that front hip in the way that we do it. <clears throat> and so with that um, hold that you're talking about, like that, uh, that air chair, like in that split stance, like, is that still, let's say you're doing the, the um, drop in, like facing the wall and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. like if you're doing your drop ins facing the wall, you'll just get them into that position still facing, not like the butt on the wall, like the wall work you guys do. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Facing the wall. So yeah, hand against the wall, kicking that butt back. If you have yeah. a mirror, like if you, if you could do it in a squat rack, that's mirror is super helpful. It's yeah. even better because now you see the bow. When you see yeah. the bow form, you can watch your ankle. It makes a lot more sense. For sure. Yeah, I've started doing that in that little side room with the landmines, and so it's great because mm -hmm. it has the landmines, but it also has the mirrors right in front. So that's definitely been really helpful. Now with I the like landmines, the problem is everyone goes front chain dominant. So you can build what looks mm -hmm. like bows, but your knees are so far forward. So the landmine is good to get that side view also. Make sure that all the hips and everything is staying back. Because a lot okay. of people will lean right into the knees. Instead of yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I'm just cueing people to feel like, to just feel your butt, basically. Like, I just tell like, you, feel your quads are doing it wrong. Um, and, but that having the heel down to start, I think, is definitely helpful. Because I'll always go straight to the heel lift. And it's just... I can see how it can be very overwhelming for people like doing it for the first time. Like there's eight different things you have to think about. Like everything's trying to sync up. Right. Usually like by the second or th even if they're not feeling it the first time around the second or third time that we do it, it just takes like reps and they'll start to figure it out. Um, and people love like, it when they feel it. When people yeah, do drop in sure. and they come off and they touch the sides of their butts, like, Oh yeah, you got it. Uh -huh. away, like, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. And especially some of these like ACL guys that like they're starting to make progress with. So we're starting to get into more movement stuff, but like, they're still like, they're still post-op. They're still coming off of injuries. So they're not particularly strong. Like they will get wrecked so fast. Like they'll, they'll do like 10, 15 well, reps. You get those guys shaking. Down. Down. Yeah. 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 That's been crushing these guys.
Um, but I like that because I've just been trying to figure out how to like simplify it as much as possible for people that are. I would always try and find the hamstring stretch. Search yeah. for the hamstring stretch first thing. Get back to your dominant. I've actually I've been breaking it up into like basically just having them do it as like two movements and like before we even add any rotation, I'm just like do an RDL, do a hip hinge until you can like okay, you can feel your hamstring stretching. Okay, well now let's start to rotate a little bit because as, as soon as people see you twisting, they're they're just all over the place. Their hips are going forward, but they're really like you gotta chill. Uh, and they'll twist all the way like behind them and the knee like yeah the yeah, knee yeah. start opening up like we want to go 22 and a half degrees off the midline some people are going like 75 like Whoa, yeah whoa. for sure I actually, I actually feel it more when i move less like a little pulsing yes. the smaller reps you find I that torque position there's like an ideal mm -hmm. position once you go beyond yeah. that you just lost all that torque same way yeah. as when you had the foot out yeah 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 same so i, I like doing it uh like smaller and stuff like that like, and the okay. other thing is is we're Really, you know, we don't want to use this word, but we're trying to adduct the leg. So at the same time, a lot of people just want to push the knee out. And what happens is you build a lateral bow. So it's not a rotary bow. We want the bow mm. forms from pulling the hip back. So that knee is trying to turn in. It's just the position of the hip is forcing everything out. And that's when you really feel that torque. And you'll gain a lot of balance that way because you feel that connection from the foot right to that glute knee and you're locked in. But if you're just pushing your knee out, your knee is going to start hurting. We're not, you're not doing it the right way. The same and way. That's a like, big common mistake. Yeah, that makes sense. The same way between um, like just rolling to the outside of the foot versus actually exactly like that. keeping yeah. it down and creating the arch. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, um, yeah, it's like it's a, it can be a hard thing to teach. Like there's so much so like people can have a hard time with it. Um, I do like that. I've started to notice for me too, like when I start to feel like my groin, like those adductors and stuff like that, working either on the exercises or even when I'm running and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, now we're definitely. Oh yeah. Like, Cause that's, that's when, you know, when you can feel like the adductors working when you're sprinting, like mm -hmm. you really get that whip, like that rotation. And that helps you stay in the columns too. Like you're staying really tight. Yeah. 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 Like that's awesome. That's awesome. Cause yeah, just trying to find more ways, better ways to help these, uh, some of these kids that need a little extra love, figure it out and uh, stuff like that. So I think the holds and the heel down, both of that, both of that makes a lot of sense. Like, okay, awesome, dude. Um, so as we kind of get to the end of this, the one thing that I like to, or a couple of questions that I like to, to leave with um, changing gears, just like a little bit and stuff like that. But um, what is one uh, book or I'll even have started to add in uh, movies as well. One book or movie that you've consumed in the last year or two that's had a, uh, had a big impact on you. Book or movie. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's like movies are awesome. So they get a bad rap, you know, I'm starting to. Yeah. I don't watch a lot. I watched uh, Zorro recently and I started rocking a ponytail, which I never thought that I would <laughs> walking around with my sword, like Antonio Vendettas, but no, it didn't have a big impact. Honestly, man, I started reading the Bible recently. It's just changing, oh, wow. changing the way that just I think about certain things and, and the world in general. So over the last three months, I've started reading it in the morning, just 15 minutes. And it, it's been interesting, just, you know, the, the effect it's had on, on my mentality. I'm just being a little more calm in my current situations. Like, you know, things let, let things work out as, as they're going to. Like, don't, yeah. don't force everything and don't try to make it about me. Like, just go with the flow a little bit and trust that, you know, I have faith, like things are going to get well for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, since I started reading it, go to the guy on Mark Smelly Bell. <laughs> there you go. So who knows? <laughs> it looks like it's working. 
For sure. I, I like that. I like that. I know you and me have gone, like, we'll get into some, like, the philosophy stuff and things like that. We'll get into, like, I just saw Jordan Peterson literally two nights ago. Um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. I like, I like that. Especially you talked a lot at, about the Bible in, it looks like he's getting into it also. Yeah. I mean, he's had, on like, Rogan, he's seen, on the Rogan interview, he, it was very interesting. Oh, dude, he's, like, I probably learned more, listened to more, like, biblical stuff like from him than anything I ever did like back in like church and stuff like that have you seen he's got those uh the couple like 12 or 13 like lectures that he did four or five years ago on like the biblical stories of Genesis like have you seen those no but I'm gonna check them out dude like so they're each like if he even talks about it during them like it's crazy like he's got there's 12 or 13 like three hour like lectures about like Mm. the psychological significance of the biblical stories he only gets through like eight or 10 stories like he gets through like the first like five chapters um and stuff like that but the stuff that he pulls out of them is mm-hmm. insane and it's really really cool because he talks about it like for me i love listening to that stuff and like even all the biblical stuff like less from a like religious like standpoint less dogmatic and, uh, more just open to just yeah yeah i mean you think treat them as like these are the most significant stories that our culture has come up with over the past like 2000 years that have literally like shaped our culture. And, and the most like read, you think about how many people have read these same stories. Yeah. And there's power. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. There's wisdom in there. And like, if you can strip it of the, like the religious context to a certain extent and just look at it from like, if you were reading it, like you were reading like Shakespeare and like uh, English class and stuff like that. And like, just looking at it for like, what's the like what's the story trying to tell me what's the significant what's like the meaning of it and stuff like that mm-hmm. especially like those like the old testament like the some of the earlier stories and stuff like that like Cain and Abel and Noah and all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff like it's a his understanding of it is ridiculous and like sure. uh, dude, he literally goes on for like three hours about the Cain and Abel story which is like six sentences long and like everything my first introduction to him was uh like breaking down Disney movies yeah, yeah, he does that same thing, but with those stories. Ooh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting from that. So I'm definitely checking super, it out. Super, super interesting. Yeah, you definitely should. Um, okay, cool. I love that. That that'll that'll have to be a whole nother uh, podcast for us. We'll have to change gears. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then the last one. What's one thing that you've learned in the past year or two, or something that you understand that you wish the rest of the world understood? Go to baby, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's uh, set you up a softball yeah. for that one. Like. <laughs> yeah, we're making them understand, man. There's no choice. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's still all like most people have either never heard of it or think it's weird. So yeah, it's I would say just not not even go to right. Just the idea that not everybody needs to be lifting barbells as heavy as we possibly can. The bar the barbell was created by man. Powerlifting is a man made sport. If that's your sport, go for it, man. I'm, I'm 100% if that's your sport. But if it isn't your sport, there's ways that we can do things, right? Go Running is not the enemy. We've turned, we, we made everything like everyone used to run. Now we act like running is the worst thing you can do for yourself, but lifting is the best. It doesn't make yeah. sense because running is the most natural thing that you can do. So yeah. you should be able to run, to swim, to crawl, to jump, be a little bit more human and less like these mechanical robots and all these weight machines just, you know, getting stuck and getting all getting all tight and having to go see the therapist to work out all your nuts because you get so much tension in your body. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. There's definitely more to health and fitness than 
foam rolling for 20 minutes before your CrossFit class, like, and just kind of sling barbells and stuff like that. And like, right, just yeah. so you can access a squat, right? Foam rolling, smashing the muscles. Yeah, just, just so, so you can, can get down move. and put yeah. that barbell on your back and have bed form in your squat. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I definitely think that even just the idea that like there's a like a primal pattern in all this, like it's not like we have any um, like qualms about saying that all cats move the same or all like or all like there's a right. like, appropriate diet or appropriate uh, movement pattern for a given species or an animal and stuff like that. And so, yeah, just to be a little more just to be a little more human and stuff like that. Like you said, like there's more to health and fitness than just the uh, slinging barbells and stuff. So I think that's, uh, I think that's a yeah. good place. And just to add on that, I would say to just, you know, use common sense and think and feel more and not rely on what you're being told by the scientific studies. Mm-hmm. Use the scientific studies, read them, understand them, but they're not the end all be all. They might be deeper to the story. So don't, don't wait around to have any opinions based on the latest study and be unwilling to change your mind, even if it's obvious until the next study comes out to disprove it. Like allow yourself to have your own opinions based on what you see, feel, and, and how you understand it. 100%, these are tools, not laws. Tool, um, exactly that. Science right. is a tool, 100%. For sure, for sure. And yeah, I think that, I mean, it's just especially the nature of, I don't know, the world today with how everything is kind of electronic and digitalized and very like fast paced. Yeah. Like all of us could do better from a meditative, psychological, physical like standpoint just to check in a little bit more and just be and trust your intuition a little bit and just see how things are feeling, see what feels good and get yourself yeah. moving like hundred percent can agree more. Absolutely. It's cool, bro. All right. Awesome. Good way to end it, brother. Thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate you having the chat. Um, I know with this stuff in particular, it's something that's, I know I personally just want to get into more of and stuff like that. And so the more we can have conversations like this, instead of just everyone on social media, just bashing each other. <laughs> You're doing a student. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the more of this we can get, the better. So appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. I had a fun, bro. My pleasure. My pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Like, all right, have a good one, brother. Definitely, man. See you later.